on this episode of That Was a Show? Something Wilder was a show. This harmless family sitcom was developed as a vehicle for the Hollywood legend Gene Wilder. Join Bryn, Aaron, and Barry as they make their way through this gene pick. <laughs> oh. Uh. We grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince. But those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were canceled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Good to see you, Barry. <laughs> this is going to be a weird one. Uh, yeah, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Had a wild time watching something wilder. Oh, that's better than the pun I came up with in my yeah. little intro. That's better. <laughs> Why don't I? Yeah. All yeah, right. let's get into it. On the other hand, I did not have a wild time. I thought it was... <laughs> It oh, was more no. the equivalent of the lineup before the roller coaster than the roller coaster. Wow. Okay. It's gonna be one of those. It's gonna be one. Of, it's gonna be one of those weeks. Okay. All right. I actually found it all rather charming, to be honest. So. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm I'm Let's looking forward this. to the contrast of opinions. Before we get into it, I just want to. Uh, give another uh, thanks to Neil, who joined us in our previous episode as a guest. Right on. Yeah, we had two guests in a row. Yes. Yeah. Welcome every- You're welcome, everybody out yeah. there. Yeah, got to hear some other voices for our change. Yeah. All right, I'm going to jump right in. We're talking about uh, Gene Wilder's sitcom from the 90s, Something Wilder. Which is uh, anybody out there? I don't know if you if if you're all friends of me or friends of us, but I happen to love Gene Wilder, so uh, this was my pick, and I was very excited just to see, you know, some Gene Wilder content I have not seen before. So that's what we chose. This, uh, you know, I mean, getting it right out of the way, this is a very safe show. It's uh, <laughs> it's just a it's a little uh, just a little piece of uh you know a little family sitcom you know a uh, uh, a father with a, a wife who is I inappropriate in either age or appearance for him <laughs> uh, with some two yeah. precocious childrens and a job that is pretty incidental and also has very little in common with what that job would really entail <laughs> uh, Gene uh, Gene Wilder plays Gene Bergman who runs an advertising agency with his partner, who's played by Gregory Itzen. Uh, but it's the May-mid-October relationship with his <laughs> delightful wife, Annie, played by Hilary Bailey Smith, that is kind of like the driving force of the series. They have two twin boys... Uh, whose names I did not bother to learn. They were twins, <laughs> and they did cute. One of them is Sam, and one of them is the other one. Yeah. And uh, they had yeah. cute curly hair like him. 
cute curly hair. Uh, yeah, they did. His his relationship with his sons is is pretty adorable because he's just sort of like a big fifty year old child himself. Um, the series was created by Lee Kelchum and Barnett Kelman. It ran for 18 episodes. We watched two episodes, the pilot and episode four, which was delightfully named Hanging with Mr. Cooper, which uh, we will get into later as to why it was called that and why that is delightful. Uh, In the first episode, uh, Gene and Annie are dealing with their twin boys upcoming first day of preschool while Annie is dreading the boys growing up, which is a pretty typical sitcom plot. Uh, Gene is very much looking forward to breaking their very long-standing sexual dry spell uh, <laughs> and uh, spends most of the episode uh, basically trying to figure out how to have sex with his own wife. Um, unlike a lot of sitcoms, uh, luckily she's pretty into it too, so it doesn't get that weird. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was pretty much the pilot episode. Uh, do you want to talk about that one for a little while, guys? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> let's so do it. I, I want to start by saying I'm also a huge Gene Wilder yeah, fan. Everyone here yeah. is. But I don't think anyone could be faulted for thinking that he is more a star of the big screen and not the small screen because... Uh, when you chose this show, Barry, I was certainly surprised that he had a sitcom and I suspect many people listening will be equally surprised because he wasn't really known much for television. No, no. I mean, he had a, a fairly high profile sitcom gig late in his career, uh, but it was not a starring role. It was just a guest star. So, yeah, yeah. this was weird for me uh, to even I did not know this existed. So, uh, yeah, it's weird because I didn't at first, but then once I started seeing clips, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is coming back to me. Like, I vaguely remember this because I like had this like flash of remembering him rolling around with two little <laughs> toddlers with curly hair. Like, I just like had I was like, oh, yes, this they is- were playing ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing ha. Uh, I also want to get two things out of the way right off the top. One is that uh, I was happy to see that they at least addressed the significant age difference between his character and his spouse as a key part of the plot. So I liked that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like we as the audience were just supposed to think, oh, yeah, this is nothing. There's nothing to see here. It's very much a repeated talking point in the show. And uh, they are in the year that this uh, show first aired. 37 and 61 years old, respectively. The actors. I don't know how old the characters are supposed to be. I got the impression that he wasn't quite 61. Uh, But on the other hand, there's nothing really that suggests that he was not playing his age. But, you you know, he was in his 50s for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, his his age comes up and. Yeah, there's. You know, they they don't they don't mine it for a lot of emotional depth or anything, but there are a few moments where you can tell that he is uncomfortable in his uh, position as a as a man who had kids really late in life, yeah. and he's just trying to adjust to that. Uh, or more, he doesn't like people's perceptions of him right. as being yeah. older. Yeah, he definitely seems like self conscious of it. Very self conscious like, yeah. of it. There are a lot of like jokes made by his business partner who has children who 
are yeah, his, what, his what, younger business yeah, partner are going yeah. off to college. Yeah, are going off to yeah. college. So, you know, there's like that like very predictable joke about how, you know, your kids are just getting out of diapers and by the time they go to college, you'll be getting back into diapers and like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to note right off the bat is that this is the most tropey show I have ever seen in our now 42 episodes of doing this podcast. And Oof. I look forward to calling out many of these tropes throughout our discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. These are all pretty standard sitcom yeah. fare. I mean, even just the the kids going off to school, be it preschool, be it high school, be it, you know, I feel like that is... Uh, some pretty well uh, trodden territory for pilots, especially yeah. first day of X for the kids. Yeah, for yeah. the kids and how the parents react to it. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's your first trope right there. Uh, yeah. Twins, also a trope. Uh, yeah, incredibly precocious young children trope. It was interesting though that they they went with like fraternal twins and they, they said that. And the boys who play them are not actual brothers. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is interesting because I feel like sitcoms at that time often had twins like that were yeah, but real then twins. You gotta, but then you got to find four. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So it, they but in the all the descriptions that I found online, it was like fraternal twins, fraternal twins. Interesting. Like they, I, I, I didn't like, notice what? that. Yeah, just say yeah, like the twins. Sh- like, you I mean, the show, the show never really states that. And they yeah. look enough alike that it wouldn't have really been a yeah. thing. Yeah. Like I thought they were I thought I knew they were played by different they weren't brothers but yeah. on the other hand I didn't at any point think they weren't I, uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I the, found it a little What's the other one? Identical. Yeah. Uh, I, I found it a yeah. little freaky just how much they kind of looked like him. Like it yeah. seems like they did like a nationwide search for like children who look like Gene Wilder. <laughs> Maybe well, they, they did. Prob- they they probably did. They probably like, did exactly that. that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't remember. I couldn't couldn't tell the kids apart, even though they look completely different. Like I don't know who's who, but like one of them even like has his like jawline. Completely like, I was like, different. They look almost exactly yeah, the well, same. Whatever. Yeah. It's uh yeah. I just found it really funny how they like went out of their way to like find like little mini Gene Wilders. Um and like yeah they don't look like their mom at all which is kind yeah. of annoying mm-hmm. but like it would have been cute almost if like one of the boys since they're fraternal since that was such a big thing like one of the boys like looked like mom and one of the boys looked like dad like that would be super cute like if one had a little like brown bowl cut like mom <laughs> yeah yeah um, um uh, <laughs> these might have been the youngest kids with yes. full dialogue that I've yes. ever seen in a sitcom and that goes for the pilot, not for the other episode we watched. We'll get into that. Yeah. The the lack of their presence in the other episode later. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, the second episode we watch is is a very also tropey. It's a stunt episode, yeah. right? So most of the cast is not really hanging around in that one. Yeah. I think one of the big driving things of the show is like I, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm probably wrong, but I, the relationship between uh, Gene and Annie, I find to be pretty delightful and their back and forth with each other is very, very funny. Um, and you don't, I never really questioned why they were together because you know like he they're 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 very delightful they have very good chemistry together so i already feel a repeat of our discussion from the mel brooks show coming on where you liked it and i hated it and it's funny that gene wilder and mel brooks worked so tightly together 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, okay. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to counter exactly what you said. Like, I, so, okay. I think that you're right. Like, I agree. They had a really great rapport. Like, the actors had great chemistry. Like, I thought, yeah. like, like Annie and, and Jean did, but I still, I just found him kind of like very off putting. And I, I found it really, really hard to believe that like a woman in her 30s would find him attractive. Like, his whole <laughs> persona was like so goofy but not in a delightful like cool way like i just did not find it and i just hated seeing him run around in shorts with the kids like i just <laughs> like i found it all really like undignified and like annoying well right but... because this isn't gene because he's not playing himself even though yeah, the character no. is named gene so she's not attracted to gene wilder. wilder the yeah. incredibly successful charismatic and presumably yeah. extremely wealthy gene wilder she's attracted yeah. to this guy, Gene Bergman, and he's, and he's not like but he's goofy and he's fun and he's fun to be around. He's good with kids and like, I, don't I, know, I it's mean, not enough. isn't that that's it's not way enough. that's way better than like I get if she was into him because he was rich. I'm not saying that would be a good thing. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's just like he he doesn't have any swagger or anything like he doesn't have any like he's just all like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, but I'm going to flip it and say my bigger problem with their relationship. I mean, I agree. Their chemistry as performers was good. Yeah. The thing I bumped on more was not this issue of whether she would realistically find him attractive. It was the the tropiness of the relationship. Getting back to that thing that I flagged earlier. Like, yeah, even starting off right off the bat on like a major plot point of the pilot being the whole one spouse begging the other for sex trope. Like, yeah. I've seen enough of that. And yep. the other part of it being, and I think maybe like the more problematic part of it is, and I don't know what the term would be for this, but the housewife who's always angry trope because she's always pissed off at something he's doing, his behavior, things that he says, everything's irking her. And I feel like there's some sort of inherent misogyny in these shows that position the female character as, you know, like the one who has to put up with the man-child character and is always kind of cranky about it. I mean, we do get to see a bit more of a silly side of her in the second episode we watched, which we'll get to later. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I liked know. her way more in that episode. I didn't, really find, I didn't really find her really upset with Gene all that much. I felt like most of the time she she was finding his his nonsense to be kind of charming. And like it's usually like they both had very separate plots from each other in both yeah. the episodes, right? Yeah. I didn't find. Yeah, I didn't find. In fact, it was the very idea that I did not think that this is why I let, I bought them as a couple because like usually when you watch these they are constant like I I was expecting her to be always annoyed with him but for the most part like she finds him funny and like he kind of most of the time she knows he's joking around like it's not he's not like oh honey and like there's moments where like he genuinely thanks her for like help and stuff like that. And like, you know, there's a moment in the second episode where she like basically saves their ass on like a fucking uh, ad thing. Yeah. And he just says, thank you for doing that. Like, yeah. you, you really helped us there. Like, it's not like a. Yeah, it's true. He does respect her. That's fair <laughs> enough. There are there are those moments. And yes, I think he does respect her. I think they re- generally respect each other. Um, yeah. 
there is enough believability in that way to the relationship for yeah. me. I guess, you know, I'm thinking again, I don't want to get of, get ahead of ourselves to the other episode, but yeah. the whole thing, for instance, with the noise from the neighbors, and we'll talk more about that later, like she's holding it against him and she's just getting like so mad at him for not fixing this. And I don't know, it's just, it felt like the show was always falling back on that strategy in a lot of the scenes where she was mm -hmm. just like mad about something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, now that Barry's like bringing up his perspective, I, I feel like I see it more. I think I had like a weird prejudice when I was watching it about <laughs> just putting myself in her shoes where I was like, yeah. I was like, I would not have sex with that man. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. Like, like just I don't... finding him like so completely unappealing. Like I would rather have sex with like Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I mean I guess like, I just yes he's a lot younger at that stage but just like his whole presence is way more charismatic well, and he's just like this like old he is likable he is likable in this mm -hmm. he's very mean in Willy Wonka I know uh, and maybe that just says more about me and my psychology well, but I, <laughs> I think Barry you are kind of tempering my opinions that I went into this with and I'm 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 halfway coming around to. <laughs> to your perspective on this. And I also probably went into watching the show with a bit of a bias because from the top, it felt like, okay, they needed a Gene Wilder vehicle. They wanted young kids because family sitcoms have to have young yeah. kids. So let's work backwards from that. And then, well, I guess his partner is going to be way younger and I guess he has to have some cool job. And it felt like they just like, Work backwards I, yeah. from the fact nothing... that they just built it around that. Like, how do we how do we have Gene Wilder have little kids? How do we there do is that? Nothing. Yeah, there is nothing organic in any of the setup. It is all a, a, a list of things yeah. that are just thrown <laughs> together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it could, he could have very well been a grandfather. Like, I don't understand. And there could have been little kids living yeah. there with them. I like, would have loved that. Grandpa, yeah, no, Grandpa Jean, like for whatever reason, like the the grandkids and the daughter or whoever has to like live with them. Like that would have been very believable. I would have loved that. Because because so many sitcoms in the 90s did that, like, ha yeah. had to start with like some, the, the parents are dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, it could have been, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe they were like, let's shake it up and do something different. And like, this is an NBC, this is NBC, correct? I should know that. Uh, it felt like NBC. Yeah. yeah they were advertising it was, for it was Cheers. NBC. It was NBC. Yeah, yeah. And the, was it maybe one of the only like family sitcoms on NBC? At that time, maybe. Yeah, yeah um, it feels like it was. So it's like maybe they were trying to like kind of straddle that line of like appealing to like urban people and like I think I don't know. Yeah, I think everything about the show is, um, like I said in in my in my ramble, my in my lead up, is harmlessly charming. It is not meant to offend. It is not. It is just a family sitcom that. You know, they've been making them since the 50s. Uh, and they, yeah, they've been making them since the 50s. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. They're just trying to have people like just trying to let people have like a nice time, basically. And I think you still see these shows made every now and then, but they're meaner now. Right. But counterpoint, it is all those things, Barry, but there were some edgy jokes wedged in there. 
Okay. Like I, I didn't. I, I didn't catch a lot of yeah. edge. <laughs> there were edge yeah. jokes the, with Caleb. The, the pilot had a few yeah. jokes that were so dark and edgy that it was surprising to see them juxtaposed against the scenes where he's playing in in this charming way with the little kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, I okay. So there's the Hitler joke, which yeah, which isn't I mean, a one-off. They bounce back to it. They spend I like mean, I didn't mileage find that. on that. That's not that's not edgy though. For just a family make, sitcom. Yeah, yeah. For the just, context, it it was edgy. Yeah, because the way. Okay, so for for our listeners to to get some context here. Yeah, Gene Wilder's character is I don't know if he's the boss of, but let's call him a partner. Yeah, in, he, he's yeah, he owns an yeah, advertising in thing an with advertising his agency. They live in a charming New England town, which we learn yeah. is the home of Norman Rockwell. And uh, then when they introduce the ad agency for the first it's time, it's in a barn. It's in like so. a barn in the woods, <laughs> yeah. so it's a very like small town new england sort of setting yeah yeah it's uh, like his barn somehow yeah. too yeah. like and it's next door our first on- in between their homes i guess yeah yeah our first entree into the ad agency world of this series is gene wilder getting into an argument with another creative executive at the ad agency over yeah. a proposal for a campaign that is just a full-size magazine page with hitler's face and some sort of slogan making a joke around that and it's like a minute of dialogue on that and then they kind of touch back to it later in the episode so that character is supposed to be his wife his brother like that's supposed to be his his brother-in-law yeah 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 so who apparently has lots of wacky ideas and like you know ideas that are in poor taste and you know he's not he relies on these like controversial ideas, I guess, and that's where they like bump heads a little bit, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I that that joke worked for me just cuz like that's some that's some advertiser bullshit right there where right. somebody is like, "But you're talking about it, right?" Right. Like, but but that's not a wholesome joke. Yeah, it's just Okay, well, same, you're right. Same with, you're right. Yeah. It's same not with, a wholesome. Uh, like You're right. Uh Cleavon Derrick's uh intro. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My, my family's been in the New England area for over three hundred years. Two hundred years by choice. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like coming uh, on uh, the heels yeah. of him playing with the little kids and how cutesy the other scenes are. Yeah. Those are a bit of a record scratch moment. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad. Like I think it's. I thought it was like interesting, but I thought it was like an odd like. It's almost like they were trying to do a New York sitcom, but put the uh, like a Manhattan style sitcom, like a lot of the stuff on NBC, but they're trying to like put it in a new context. Right. Like, well, put, they've just moved from yeah, New York. Yeah. So they just moved there. So like the, the thing that about the pilot, like let's talk about the pilot a little more. Like I was a little confused about the setup. Like was it, were we supposed to believe that they had just moved there, both their homes and the business? Or was the business already there and Jean's family just moved their home there too? Like I was, I found that a little confusing. I don't, I can't, I can't. Like why it. would someone move their ad agency to a small town like that? Like what? Like, like that, that's why I don't I, think I, they I got, thought it through. Yeah. I don't think they thought it through. I was like, when we got like a line of dialogue, like three, like halfway through where they said what he did, I was like, oh, he's an, he's in advertising. Yeah. <laughs> but like, how could um, they get enough opportunity out there? Like, I don't understand. Well, the other, the other thing that the show makes a point of, which really does not happen all that often, 
Um, they're bad at it. They're not good at it. They're really bad. They're not a good ad agency. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, maybe that's why. Maybe they always wanted to be in advertising. Uh, no, you know what? I can't even make up a story that makes any of this make sense. It's very hard to believe. A lot of it is very hard to believe. uh, The ad agency's office, in spite of being in like a barn, is pretty large and pretty lavishly decorated. And there's an implication in the other episode we watched that they have like an established client base. Um, yeah. And then in the pilot, right off the bat, we see that they have quite a spectacular house. Yeah. It's like a very idyllic. So like, they are successful house. somehow. So, maybe, I mean, I don't know. maybe he was, I mean, maybe he's, he, this is a, a business he started in retirement. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's almost like, OK, maybe they worked on Madison Avenue in Manhattan and they had kind of like they were doing pretty well, but then they wanted a quieter life. So they decided to like shift down there. But here's like the instant I have a solve for, you know, <laughs> the screenwriters like like yeah. 30 years too late. Uh, you know, why didn't they just make it a thing where they merged with an existing company that was there? of an older like person who ran all the local ads and then wanted to retire so they kind of like merged with this these new guys to like cuz like how yeah. else do you explain how they suddenly have business cuz wouldn't you think in a town they had 10 they had 10 clients I they guess. Speci- they specify right. they only have 10 right. clients okay <laughs> i don't know i just it, it's all very like there's like a lot of holes there like i just feel like they could have like it would have been fun to have like an older person working with them who had already kind of been like the go-to person for yeah like that would have made for a fun yeah a fun juxtaposition would have been an older kind of close to retirement person who had this established small Although ad agency? Older, so. Yeah, but like, let's say there's <laughs> yeah, this... they already have Gene, they already have Gene Wilder. <laughs> right. He's yeah. in his sixties. Let's say there's an established ad agency there, and yeah. they're kind of like whoever founded it is looking, you know, toward retiring yeah. soon. And Gene Wilder was a successful ad man in New York, but wants to kind of slow the pace down, spend less hours working, wants to raise his kids. So they move to this quaint New England town. He gets hired at this agency. The agency's like, oh, we're getting this like top shelf guy from Madison Avenue. He's going to have all these great ideas. But ultimately, they're always butting heads because he doesn't understand what like, clients they want, clients they want. And you would have that conflict and that funny yeah. juxtaposition like that's something that we've now tossed around ideas for like five minutes and we've come up with something I, more I just, plausible. I just love how in the weeds you guys get on like just basics Deep yeah. in the weeds. Well, Deep. you know we want to make it make sense you yes. know <laughs> i don't know all we want is for them these to are, just spend a few minutes hashing these out these details these are sitcoms guys these are sitcoms network sitcoms i know you're right it's <laughs> they're just... just meant to 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 fill fill 22 minutes and sell some ads yeah <laughs> well uh, then let me ask what you thought of the opening title sequence with oh, the uh, painting. Well, that was gone uh, after the first episode. Right. Uh, I guess it they, was. I didn't notice it in the yeah, second Oh, one. yeah. They, it, they just, by the next one we watched, it was just a title card, which yeah. was only episode four, so it did not take them long. Uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the opening credits are very... Oh, 
cheesy and uh somebody just wanted gene gene wilder to sing uh so he did yeah and you know he's got a nice pleasant voice and all that and it's like doopy doop boop 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 <laughs> yeah, was, everything's nice and happy. Yeah, like the whole the theme of the song, like I couldn't tell you what the lyrics were, but the theme of the song is like, oh, you know, like you've like like he's like singing to his wife and young yeah. family like, "Oh, you've given me more happiness than I ever thought I could have. Like you gave me a second chance yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know, like it's like it's just kind of sweet, but it was also very old-fashioned and it was like juxtaposed with this weird very 90s uh like style of them like doing weird artwork as a family but yeah. it was like it, it was almost like they were painting on a glass or plastic like a clear surface so that if you're yeah, the cameras painting in that they were painting on the frame yeah yeah exactly yeah. it was like they're painting on the frame of the th- which is such a 90s thing of like a weird like artsy kind of like a- it's definitely like you, you could have easily seen this as like a, a Cosby show opening. Like yeah, the Cosby yeah. the Cosby show went through like four very or five variations. Yeah, yeah. Variations openings. on. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. That was such a thing. Like, yeah, in the 90s, like if you had a family sitcom, you either had the funny like. Um, Davis rules. Da- yeah. Well, or you, <laughs> you had like the funny opening where it was just like the too many. The thing that's too many cooks is satirizing where they're all just like turning to the, they're all in a situation and then they turn to the camera and like- Smile for the freeze frame. Smile for the portrait. Yeah. But, or you have like the weird elaborate um, opening where all the characters are doing some sort of strange activity that has nothing to do with the plot of the show, but it's just like a weird, I don't know. Yeah, and I guess that's- they're being families. Yeah. They're, they're finger painting and but, whatnot. Yeah, all families in the 90s like painted on like plexiglass finger, together. A lot like, of finger painting. A lot yeah. of finger painting. I guess this kind of summarizes my reaction to the show after the pilot, which is that it really felt like, okay, I liked everyone in the cast. I think like they, everyone was great. Everyone's yeah. very like talented in this show and the sort of pace of the show, the number of like attempts at jokes for, per minute, even though like they didn't really do it for me laugh wise. Yeah, but, they like, didn't land for it me. It didn't land for me, but like the pace was tight and it, it it worked like in terms of the cast. But to me, this just felt like a sitcom written by an algorithm. And that was in a time before, uh, before that was even possible. Because <laughs> it just felt like all the tropes. <laughs> do you guys want to talk about the other episode? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's get so, into it, because this one is a doozy. <laughs> yeah, so episode four was the other episode that we covered. Uh, and like I said earlier, it is the epitome of a stunt episode. It is <laughs> something very common in a first season of a show. You basically write an entire episode around a guest star. And the show usually bends its way around the guest star because you're just establishing an audience and stuff like that. Gene Wilder would be somebody you might build a stunt episode around on another show. <laughs> like Gene Wilder would show up and, you know, everybody, would, you know. So in this one, which was called Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Gene and Annie deal with their very noisy new neighbors who are constantly throwing parties with very loud music. Uh, and it's 1993, I think. 94. 94. 94. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, uh, that 
new neighbor is rock and roll superstar Alice Cooper. <laughs> um, because of and, course. Uh, Why wouldn't yeah. it be? And for those of you out there, uh, you know, who are a little bit younger than us, um, Alice Cooper was huge. But I almost feel like he's better known for showing up in things when people make a big deal that Alice Cooper is there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, between this and Wayne's World, uh, <laughs> you're getting a, getting a pretty big meal out of Alice Cooper. For his, for, you know, for what it's worth, Alice Cooper is a very delightful presence. And there's probably a reason people kept throwing him in things. Yeah. Because he is able to just be, because his... You know, he's a hard rocker and he has such a, a like a, dr- a dramatic look to him, but he's a, he's a really soft spoken guy and he's kind of like quiet and funny. So it works. And most of this, you know, you get a lot of good back and forth between Gene and Gene and Alice, who, as Alice says at one point, us two grown men with girls names got to stick together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually found uh, uh, Alice Cooper quite charming in this and. Uh, I felt like he did kind of steal the show, like he kind of stole all those scenes. And I'm sure that was the intent when you would do a stunt episode like this. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like you see him bring a uh, a level of presence in this that yeah. that kind of does explain why Alice Cooper does a lot of cameos, because he really kind of delivers on the comic timing and him opposite gene wilder as a duo alice cooper in spite of like the crazy hair and makeup and stuff like that is the straight character and gene wilder is the funny character and so it's funny to see the the cameo celebrity stunt appearance be the one who plays the the quote-unquote like like audience perspective relatable persona in the situation and gene wilder does his shtick where he goes really big and gets really yeah. like worked up over things yeah. and and that's fun like seeing the two of them bounce off each other that worked for me yeah i it was uh i feel like he must have had a really good agent back then like alice cooper like he must have had like a really good like acting and performing agent who got him all these mm-hmm. like uh, you know how much do you think they paid him for this like they must have paid him a shitload half the oh, budget sure. for the season yeah, oh, sure. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's in it. But really, though, I mean, between this and 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 Wayne's World, which and this just feels like a sequel to his his appearance yeah. in Wayne's World. Yeah. Um, Was he still this big in 1994 or are they just telling us he was? Yeah, I don't know. Because like he, even in like in Wayne's World, I'm like, was he really still? Well, people that. um. Like, okay, so Gene's wife, Annie, is a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. And that's like a fun kind of subplot. Like, so she would have been in her like mid 30s at that time. So she would have yeah. been like the appropriate age to have been a huge Alice Cooper fan when she was young, right? Yes. So, yes. like, the audience for both like Wayne's World and. Um, True. Like they yeah. would have been like big fans and he would have been someone like iconic that they would have liked and would still be um, excited to see. Yeah, I think right? in 94, he would have still had a pretty iconic presence, even if presence. he wasn't like top presence. of the charts, yeah. like uh, yeah. even if he wasn't putting out music like at that like, time. Is there like an equivalent? Like, oh, for example, like if Dave Grohl showed up somewhere, 
we would all be freaking out. But, no, but he's, Dave Grohl's still packing them in, man. I know, but like <laughs> to like the young folks, like he's not like an icon to like. Okay, sure who's the guy from uh, Smashing Pumpkins? Billy Corgan. Billy there Corgan. You, there you go. There Billy you Corgan. Go. I don't except know. If that's nobody comparable. ever. Except nobody ever liked Billy Corgan. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, um. Here's my. Yeah, we here's we my... need to go early thousands. Okay, yeah, maybe early thousands. Okay, Green Day guy. <sighs> Billy Joe. Yeah, but nobody Armstrong. likes him. E- yeah. Nobody likes him either. <laughs> I don't know, Barry. You might get some angry comments. Um, I feel okay. like there's a lot of Green Day stands out there. Here's my. I ho- love Green Day. I yeah. don't like Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was a show. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey honey, why haven't you eaten your toast? I don't know. I guess I'm just sick of this regular boring peanut butter. Well, maybe it's time we make our meals an adventure. Whoa, what's this? Wander nut butter? Try it. Wow, it's good. It's spiced, but not spicy. You're such a witty and precocious child. <laughs> Spread the world with Wander Nut Butter's internationally inspired flavors. It's made with only peanuts, spices, and salt, and no added sugar. Try every flavor of Wander Nut Butter's today. I don't know. That kid sounded a little old. Really? I thought it was pretty good casting. That commercial failed to mention that Wander is based right here in Toronto, Canada. Or that you can eat Wander nut butters as a healthy snack, like, you know, adding it to a smoothie. Also, there are three flavors available, inspired by spices from India, Morocco, or Thailand. I really liked the Moroccan peanut butter on toast with apricot or peach jam. I've tried Wander. It's delicious. It looked so enticing. These ads really work. You can even cook with it, like if you're making a soup or a sauce. We've been talking a really long time about this commercial. Yeah, wait, is this meta? Are we part of a commercial? Is Wander a sponsor if that was a show? All I know is that our listeners can get a 15% discount when they order Wander Nut Butters online at tastewander.com slash twas. That's taste. W-A-N-D-E-R dot com slash T-W-A-S and use the coupon code TWAS15 at checkout. And you can follow them at taste.wander on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. What are you reading from? Where is that? You didn't answer any of my questions. (laughs) Okay, here's my hot take on this series, though, because I think a lot of these things we're commenting on all yeah. tie back to one issue, which is that, you know, Gene Wilder and the creators of this show, their age at the time this show was made, these yeah. throwbacks to the music that, you know, even for the younger character, the implication is like this was her favorite uh, music. She said from, she, lost her she lost her virginity to, to it. <laughs> so the implication yeah. is that this is, you know, music that's kind of a nostalgia for her even. Yeah. Uh, And she's the younger adult in the show. This sitcom to me feels like an 80s show that was made in 1994. It feels like the casting, the jokes, the comedic sensibility, even that juxtaposition between like wholesome family comedy, but also certain like moments of edginess feels like some something like the way they did that in the 80s, maybe late 80s, but like five to seven years prior to when this show was made. It doesn't quite feel contemporary to its time. Yeah, maybe not. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that the plot of the episode was like fun. Like I thought it was like, 
It was oh, weird a, yeah. and unhard to believe, but it was yeah. like fun. Like the idea that Alice Cooper happens to be their neighbor and Gene goes over there to try to like get some like to deal with the fact that he's like making noise at all hours of the night and tries to reason with him. But then he gets sucked into the whole party scene and he ends up in his music video. And so <laughs> and then he gets his face painted like Alice Cooper and it doesn't come off. So he has to hide his weird like thing around his eye. And like, it's just it's like a very it's very silly but very silly. There's a lot yeah. of great who's on first jokes. Uh, okay. Is it? <laughs> Aaron's like, great. I don't <laughs> that, know. <laughs> that who's on first scene. Although to their credit, they called themselves out on yeah. it being a ripoff of Abbott and Costello. That thing, like the shtick <laughs> from the, to, again, to me, it felt like shtick from the era of Gene Wilder's big movies. Sure. Versus. Yeah. And that's why people were watching. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's exactly what it was. Okay. And that's why people tuned in, but like, I don't know. It just it it makes me feel like well, who's who's this for show us. for? Yeah, like the whole time Aaron and I were like, who is this show for? Like, I don't understand. Like it is a weird like it wasn't for us, definitely. We were just kind of like no, the whole time when they were making jokes. The who's on like, first no. thing was kind of hammy, and yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say, guys. I just like <laughs> we're forty-two episodes into this. These are sitcoms. I know. <laughs> okay, I but know. let's uh, okay, let's there let's are cheesy things that we like too. Yeah, but you know, check out these tropes. We've got the hot mom schlubby dad thing. And when you see her like dressed to meet Alice Cooper, oh, she looked hot. She, she looked hot. And, and I don't know why he was like embarrassed of her. Yeah. She like, uh, if anything, he should be like, yeah. Well, <laughs> because they, they, he keeps making it very clear. He has no idea who Alice Cooper is. Yeah. Even well, by yeah, the end and, of it, and, and, even and after I, being in be, his music video. Yeah. To be fair, I did find that very funny because, because yeah. like Alice Cooper called him out. He's like, you yeah. really don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're old, and that's the implication, and that's, funny. And that's what was um, that was funny to but me. The trying to hide something trope that gag you know with the eye makeup that wouldn't come off and then the the woman's visiting the ad agency and she's kind of conservative so they don't want to they don't want her to see the fact that he has this like makeup on his face so he's doing all these crazy body contortions and moves and covering his face and that yeah, Gene Wilder stuff. Yeah, I know, but I, oh, I, I can't. I didn't like the way that they did it. They could have done it a funnier thing where yeah. they put something on his face, like where they put like an object there instead of him trying to do it with his own body. It didn't make any sense because there were points where he didn't have anything there, and then she would like turn slightly, and he would have to like jump down and hide and, and grab I was, like, her she and spin her around. Still seen it? Like she would have still. I don't know. I, it was like it, it felt was, like very much they were letting him just it riff. Was, it was dumb, but it yeah. was you know it's slapstick. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's slapstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, you know, also the you know, I I actually again I I didn't mind the whole bringing in Alice Cooper thing. I thought that was kind of a, a charming choice. But the bit of that that did bump for me is this other very specific kind of trope that I'm going to name the celebrity savior trope, <laughs> which comes through in that line of dialogue near the end that is, and I quote, Alice, can you do me one more little favor? Yeah, we all knew that was coming. That's how, yeah. it, that's how the sitcoms work. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, and I was just like- the, I agree. The moment- 
the three of them were performing that song, I was just yeah. like, oh. Like, and that was when Aaron and I looked at each other and were like, how much did they pay him to like to Alice Cooper to do this? Because this is so humiliating. Like, this is yeah. so like, you know, below be, him. Was a, it was a high profile gig. Ugh, It but is. But like, it is, but it's so like, it's just so, it's cheesy. so cheesy. And it's like, he's like a respected rock star. Like, you know what? The moment when you see the music sitting video, sitting next to a very well-respected, if not more well-respected actor, I know, but not in the context this of this show, story. This show was below both of them. I guess that's my point. Like this show, <laughs> this show was so like grown, like made me groan so much. Like, and not you know, like yeah. it was just yeah. like, but. I also think some of this is just like structural stuff. Some of this is just like doing other script draft stuff. Like that moment where it reveals that Gene accidentally ended up in the Alice Cooper music video with the makeup on his face. That's the peak of that arc. That should have yeah. come later. I would have loved for that to be kind of like the final punctuation on that whole arc would be like, uh, you know, that comes out in the meeting with the woman from the town where it's on the TV and she sees that or something like that. Like I would have made that the climax as opposed to the thing that is supposed to then incite a whole bunch of business that it then was, just gets all muddled. I did find it kind of fun that the initial intention with the ad that they were trying to do. So basically they're trying to do an ad for local tourism, right? And the whole angle at the beginning was supposed to be capitalizing on the fact that it was the home of Norman Rockwell. Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Yeah, so yeah. they were trying to encourage, so basically they were working with this woman who was with the tourism board to try to come up with a campaign to encourage tourism. And then they were like, oh, they were going to like focus on this very wholesome, iconic uh, like fact that it was like Norman Rockwell. And then they went like, the op almost the opposite direction with like you know oh if yeah. Alice Cooper likes it here it's like awesome and Alice Cooper has the reputation of being kind of like outrageous and like subversive right so I don't know but I think they mention Norman Rockwell and the little ditty that they come up with too so that's yeah, kind do. of a fun it's like you know uh, this is one of my this is one of the the throwaways that maybe I maybe it's this is giving too much credit but this is me being like they're so bad at their jobs that they're trying to figure out the tourism for this small town where the only thing the town is known for is being the home of norman rockwell and they don't think to bring in norman rockwell like they don't yeah. think to use that in their ads yeah like they were like when the like you know annie comes in and she's like oh you're gonna do the norman Rock rockwell thing and like it had never occurred to them <laughs> Yeah. The one thing the town was famous for. Yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, no, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting. Lots of interesting choices. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the 90s house party trope and all of the uh, archetypal characters that you see right. in the house was perfect. The, the guy, mouse guy. The mouse oh, guy. Oh, I love him so yeah. much. So the mouse guy was basically this, like, kind of hanger on of Alice Cooper, like this buddy of Alice Cooper, this younger guy who was like hanging out. He looked exactly like Anthony Kiedis. I thought Little it bit. was Anthony Kiedis at first, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, I, but, I love that character so much. Yeah. Every, they they managed to get a lot of uh, mileage out of, well, okay, so first you had him with the, you know, the guy with the mouse. 
And like, you know, that was the first uh, who's on first. Yeah. You know, what? <laughs> uh, but then like, just like he had a couple of great like, he's like, no, I'm only going to talk to I, I need to talk to somebody who understands me. And he goes, oh man, that's beautiful. I, that. I laughed. <laughs> that was a good line. I, I yeah, genuinely that was laughed a good at line. that line. That was that was cute. That was or, like or uh, I, I'm here to see Alice. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh yeah. Ah, I'm just I'm just kidding. Come on in. I just wanted to say I know. that. <laughs> but here's the thing too. Like that was another moment where I was like, who is this show for? Because I felt like a very specific audience would get that joke. You know. Yeah. It, I, I felt like people watching a family sitcom wouldn't necessarily get that joke. Yeah, not every joke's for everybody. I guess. I guess. I just anyway. I mean, think about the think about the amount of Simpsons jokes that we didn't get when we were kids. Right. right you know, right. even if you didn't, his delivery of it was funny. It so was. It, it still was. counts as a joke. I feel like that character, the mouse guy, is a trope. Like the yes. the nineties, like kind of like rock um the dude. Yeah, like the rock, um, the rock and roll, what do you call that? Like a male groupie, basically. Where he's a just groupie? like the, the dude that's just like well, hang, I, th- I thought he was on. more of a roadie. Yeah, I guess he was kind of a roadie. Yeah, he be a roadie. But yeah. he's like this eccentric guy who's obviously done like, you know, more drugs than the actual uh <laughs> Yeah, rock stars and he's kind of like he's got really long hair and he's like often ends up taking his shirt off at various points and like yeah I'd call him the like the handsome long haired stoned roadie yeah yeah but that, that is was a, trope. a trope for sure a very much a 90s trope not so much an 80s trope yeah uh, the other thing uh, actually Bryn you first pointed this out when we were watching it together the music from this loud party. So when we're in the main <laughs> family home and we hear this loud music coming from next door, it just yeah. sounds like it's coming from their own home yeah, or from so like mixed. <laughs> from from like the soundtrack. Like they didn't EQ it to sound like it was coming from next door. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. not a difficult thing to do. It's not like do. a muffled thing. Yeah. Like it should have been muffled it and bassy. Completely clear and like yeah. You could hear every word. <laughs> and that might seem like a small detail, but like for me, that it was annoying. Really w- was annoying. Yeah. But the payoff of it being Alice Cooper's house—that was that was good. It I was good. That. Uh, I had a a genuine laugh at that moment in the pilot when the contractor comes in and he just puts the sledgehammer through the wall. <laughs> yeah. There was like an outtake. There was like a blooper at the yeah, end of the yes. episode where it didn't yeah. work properly. Yeah, the sledgehammer bounced off the wall and broke or something like yeah. that. Because it's yeah, probably it like funny. a prop hammer. But like, yeah, that kind yeah. of uh, slapstick gag, that does it for me. I I wish sitcoms did the bloopers in the closing credits more. I, I never really liked the like, we're just going to do an extra scene during the credits. Yeah. Just show me a blooper. Yeah, show me a blooper. Yeah, the bloopers are very fun. Yeah. Especially on a, on a show like this that's shot on a soundstage. Like, yeah. show me like the awkwardness that comes from that. Like, that's, you know, that was more charming than almost anything in these two episodes. And by almost, I mean, definitely, you uh-huh. know, like just seeing the two of them like awkwardly not know how to move on through the scene. That was fun. A lot of fun to see. So, Bryn, uh, how does something wilder connect with the iconic sitcom Friends? 
I mean, it does. Just like literally every single um, show we've done so far, there is very strong connections. And, uh, you know, there are two one degree connections to friends. Oh, do tell. First one is uh, through Gregory Itson, who plays Jack Travis, uh, Gene's business partner in Something Wilder. He guest starred on Friends in a few episodes playing Phoebe Buffet's <laughs> father-in-law, Theo uh, Hannigan. Oh, is he? He's uh, Paul Rudd's and father? Paul Rudd's character's father, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> and then the second one degree connection is through um, one of the staff writers. So... Seth Curland was a writer for both Something Wilder and for Friends. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he moved from Something Wilder into Friends, so he worked for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like I- <laughs> hopefully, base... hopefully he wasn't like, I'm jumping ship on this Friends piece of shit. Yeah. I'm jumping no, no, over no. onto this. He was on Friends later. It looks like from like- late 90s and on that's okay good yeah good for him eh he moved up in the world (laughs) this didn't this didn't tank him no i mean just like everything this is the perfect uh segue just like everything else these um these kind of duds of shows don't tend to tank people especially not the actors right like Mm -hmm. as we've seen over and over again like they all kind of end up having very successful careers or they wind down their already successful careers. So I guess we'll just start with Hillary B. Smith, who co-starred as Annie in Something Wilder. So she became sort of known more for being a soap actor. So she was already part of the ensemble of The Bold and the Beautiful, um, but then she just continued on with them. She also was in One Life to Live and General Hospital, as well as having many other roles in films and television. So she's, you know, she uh, she's still acting to this day. And, uh, you know, being Annie uh, did not slow her down at all. You know, I, I'll mention that the two little boys who played the the twins basically left acting. Um, Ian Baradjaleri basically only took this role and he probably took that kid acting money and did something good with it. <laughs> Hopefully. Or, or his parents did. Or his parents did, sadly. and then, Might never have seen a dollar. Yeah. And Carl Michael Linder, who was the uh, Lidner, who was the other twin, had a few roles here and there as a child, but then nothing after 2004. So clearly- That's true. Clearly, they were just meant to be little mini Gene Wilders, and then that was it. Uh, <laughs> Jake Weber. Um, I love Jake Weber. I'm just gonna say, yeah, yeah. I've always I loved all I love all the Webbers. I love your Jakes. I love <laughs> your Steven. And I think there's another one. <laughs> so Jake we- Weber, who played Richie, um, has had a very solid TV and film career. He's you know got tons and tons of credits on IMDb. Some of his notable roles in recent years include um, Medium, Homeland, 13 Reasons Why, and Star Trek Discovery. Like, he's just everywhere. He's one of those, like, faces that you see all the time. Uh, Gregory Itzen, who we already mentioned uh, having guest starred on Friends. He's also had a hugely prolific career. He was also in another uh, Twas show. Do you guys remember which one? Mm. Aliens in the family? No, he was in the Nut House. Uh, oh, yes, of course he was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yep. So, yeah, so that's a fun. That's the one that connection. I was bringing up earlier. The, yeah, yeah, the, the Nut Mel House. Brooks yeah, the Mel Brooks show. show. Yeah. 
which is kind of funny that he ends up being in this Gene yeah, Wilder yeah. show later on. But, yeah. you know, he's also had, uh, he's also been in the cast of many successful shows like Murder One, The Profiler, The Practice, 24, uh, yeah, and was... Big, Big Love. Um, and he was also yeah. in the cast of It's Like You Know, Aaron. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. He's got like two episodes of that. He was so. the, uh, yeah, he was like the, uh, the villainous Nixon stand in on 24. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have, uh, Cleavant Derricks, who was also, uh, Aaron already knows which other Twas show he was in, but do you know, Barry? Do you remember? So Cleavant played Caleb, the, uh, contractor. Yeah. Wasn't he in, um, the hell was it called? <laughs> um, Oh, he was in um, he's in Whoops, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was yeah. our favorite character in Whoops. Yes, he played Doctor Frederick Ross. On yeah, Whoops. I was re- I was reaching too far, and then I was like, wait, no, he's yeah. in Whoops. So he he was really funny in this so, too. Okay, so I went down a bit of a rabbit hole looking up his like talk, like learning more about his career. Like he was a very prolific person already in the music industry as well as on Broadway. He actually mm-hmm. he actually originated the role of Jimmy Early uh, in the um original Broadway production of Dreamgirls. And Jimmy Early for you guys who might not be that familiar with the play is the character uh that um Eddie Murphy played in the movie. So he like originated that role and that's like an iconic role. And he was very active in several other Broadway productions, not only as a performer, but doing like lots of vocal arrangements and um, music production. Um, He was also in one of the touring companies of Wicked playing the wizard. So he's had like a really interesting career. And then as we already mentioned, you know, he's basically been a a scene stealer in like a few sitcoms that were short lived including both whoops and now something wilder um but yeah he's he went on to do many other things after these shows did he do more episodes of this he was only in it says three total but i don't know if that's accurate it feels like he was more of a regular but he wasn't in the he wasn't in the regular uh cast list yeah he was my favorite part of both the pilot of this show and yeah. whoops. Yeah. But I felt I felt like he like his role in the pilot was so small that I was just like, is this character coming back? What's going on? Yeah. We never really addressed that they're renovating again. That's uh, true. But I don't know. He had like I I found him like had he had like a, lots of presence for me. So I was like, oh, yep. he's still notable. Um, he, oh, also, big time. he also went on to co-star in Sliders. And every time I looked up. Uh, sliders, like, like sliders, I, 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 when I, yeah, sliders, exactly. Yeah. Sliders. So when I went and when I was doing my research everywhere, it was like known for sliders, known for sliders. I'm like, come on. Like he his, does other <laughs> things. Yeah, he does lots of other things. And he's like, yeah, but oh man, sliders that cast Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Ernie Hudson. Yeah. John Rice Davies. What a cast. We're not doing a spin-off podcast yeah. oh, on sliders. Because you guys won't let me have any fun. Guys, <laughs> he was also in another Twas show. Oh. He was in Sibs for an episode. <laughs> wow. So he's the hell all went over. Sibs. Yeah. Um, okay, and then finally we have Gene Wilder. So Who? Yeah, Gene Wilder. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. So obviously everyone knows his career. Like his 
prolific career as a comedy icon, you know, from his roles in Mel Brooks movies to my personal favorite. Like, I always associate him with Willy Wonka. Like, I just, uh, yes, Barry, he was mean in parts of Willy Wonka, but he was also so, um, I don't know. There were so many moments in that Terrifying? Movie. No! <laughs> you know, it's just like, I, I think of that song, The Land of Pure Imagination, you know? Like, that. that is such a, like, wonderful song. Like, that is, like, the song that, like, captures the, like, spirit of that story and that, like, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I obviously have issues if I, like, found him so endearing and everyone else is, like, he's this weird candy factory tyrant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, by the way, I'm going to put in my request now that you absolutely have to do a post on our Instagram <laughs> with that Gene Wilder <laughs> from Willy Wonka meme. What's that? I don't even know it's what that meme is. It's one of the most popular memes in internet history. It's it's just the meme that you say when you're trying to be incredulous. Like, oh, you did this? It's just that <laughs> image of him, like, like kind yeah. of looking uh, a little bit condescendingly at something. Yeah. And then you just put, put the text over it. We're going to do that. Okay, we will then. Uh, yeah, so everyone knows him from his, like, long film career. Um, after something wilder, he very much wound down his career. So he continued to do some voice work for Sesame Street, and he starred in three made-for-TV movies, two of which where he played the same character, one of which was like a star-studded Alice in Wonderland uh, TV movie. Hatter? No, he better... played no, he played the turtle, like the mock turtle. Hatter. But it is but Barry, look at look it up though. Like it is a crazy cast. Is like, that the one with Kate Beckinsale? Uh no. It's like it's from the like uh it's like the late nineties. It's Tina Mangerino is playing Alice and it's like completely star studded. Like Ben Kingsley's in it, like uh Patricia who else is in it? Anyway, there's there's tons of people in it. It's a thing. T Tina Margarino's great. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you already alluded to his other later iconic sitcom role, which was only a guest star. Um, and that is his um role in Will and Grace, where he played Will's boss, and he won an Emmy for that uh guest starring role. So after that, he kind of just sort of settled down and lived a very like quiet, peaceful life writing novels and painting, which sounds like very idyllic. Like that actually sounds lovely. <laughs> Making a lot of money like early in life and then just like retiring and just chilling and making art for the sake of making art. Like that sounds wonderful. That does sound pretty great. <laughs> Sadly, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he kept it a secret for many years and he passed away um, due to complications from that. But he did live a long and happy life and um, obviously everybody remembers him for his like long and uh Gene Wilderness. His Gene Wilderness. His, his Gene Wilderness, yeah. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> Just because I feel like our audience is the kind of audience who will sit and listen to me do this. Um, you were right. What a delightful cast this Alice in Wonderland movie has. <laughs> yeah. Whoopi Goldberg is the Cheshire cat. Ben Kingsley is the caterpillar. Robbie Coltrane is Tweedledum and George Went is Tweedledee. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd is the White Knight. 
Pete Postlewaite is the carpenter. Miranda Richardson is the Queen of Hearts. Uh, I know I was like, oh my God, how do they not cast Gene Wilder as the as the Mad Hatter? Well, that's because Martin Short was the Mad yeah. Hatter. And, and there's what? only one other. Yeah, like that makes sense. That I, that's yeah. What's yep. this called? Oh. It's it's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. It's like a TV movie uh adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. This sounds delightful. From like 99. It's you know. <sighs> It sounds it's gotta delightful. Be terrible. It's probably yeah, yeah, terrible. I know. It's probably not good. It's probably like late 90s CGI. Like I looked at some stills from it and it looks very much like, oh, they're trying to make a visual spectacle of it all. Uh, so it's probably you'd probably watch it and be like, oh, yeah, this is very like 99. I guess that's why we CGI. haven't heard of it. Exactly. Yeah, it was probably wonderful. World of Wiz- uh, Disney like so TV. It was part of like a series of several of these like literary adaptations. That were sort of larger than life. Like I kind of saw like associated things, which were like, um, I think they did. They did a Gulliver's Travels. Like they did. Oh, lo- I remember, remember that with Ted, with Ted Danson. Yes. Like there were lots of these. These came out in like the late 90s where they were like full of big stars. Weird. And they were. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were meant to like showcase like intense, like visual effects and like production design. And there, I don't know who was funding these things, but they were they were all these like literary classics. Probably the wonderful. Pro- these were probably wonderful world of probably. Disney Sunday night movies. I think it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. TV movies, believe it or not, people were not just on Lifetime; they were on major networks. And yeah. Like Wonderful World of Disney. Why can't I say that? Wonderful World of Disney. <laughs> Like ran for years and years and years and probably produced hundreds of TV movies. They uh, did. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. That because they, they brought it back in the 90s again and then thousands and probably yeah. more recent too. I feel like this was more of a it was meant to be for the whole family. Like it wasn't necessarily like the 7 p.m. Wonderful World of Disney crowd. Like I feel like it might have been something different. But anyway, it's the same idea. It's like. You know, these like big scale productions. Mm hmm. Yeah. But it was 99. So, like, we still weren't shooting things like they were big scales. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess we ought to check in with Mr. Producer to see if he has any, uh, any comments on this particular show. Hey, kid. Let's do this thing. I've got a breakfast meeting in a few hours I need to prep for. Breakfast? It's like 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in Tibet. You are? What are you doing there? I'm working on this big new sitcom pitch. In Tibet? <laughs> oh, well, I'm courting a pretty big name. Anyone I know? <laughs> well, uh, I probably shouldn't say. Let's just say he's a pretty big deal down here. You might even say he's quite revered. Holy, even. <laughs> Anyways, what's the show we're talking about this week? Wait, wait, are you there to pitch a sitcom to the Dalai Lama? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the Dalai Lama. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't see it, but I saw him do a tight 10 minutes at the comedy store back in 2017 <laughs> and... Killed it? It was a bit dry, but he packed the seats, that's for sure. You can't argue with star power like that. <laughs> I guess not. Well... This week, we're talking about something wilder with Gene Wilder. Oh, sure. Gene Wilder. Talk about star power. You were a fan. Huge fan. 
both on and off screen. He was a true professional in every sense of the word. He was a singer, a dancer, a comedian, and he made an above-average grilled cheese sandwich as well. <laughs> w- wait a second. Hold on. What is it, Barry? So you're in Tibet, and you're trying to get the Dalai Lama to star in a sitcom? Yeah, why? Look, kid, I don't need some lecture about age from a young punk like you. Funny is funny. Well, no, it's, I mean, it's not that. It's just he doesn't live in Tibet. Of course he does. What are you talking about? No, Barry's right. He's been living in exile. Oh, what do you mean? Since when? When did this happen? Like, 1959? Yeah, yeah, something wilder. It's a great show. Uh, Look, uh, I I gotta make a call. (laughs) Well, that was certainly enlightening. I'm sure it'll be fine. I didn't know he was still pitching sitcoms, I gotta be honest. I mean, you gotta, you gotta admire the hustle there. Uh, does anybody got any leftovers? Uh, yeah. One thing I forgot to bring up before is the whole weird phenomenon of when a show is meant to be a vehicle for a specific performer and they put their name, <laughs> their, like, last name in the title, but then the character's last name is not that last name. Like, like the Michael Richards show? Yes, it's so annoying. It's like, yes, it's something wilder. Okay, that's kind of a fun play on words, but then he's Gene Bergman. Yeah, why don't you just call it, why don't you just call the show Gene? Yes, yeah, because his name is Gene in both scenarios. Uh, it's a very common thing too. Yeah, it happens it's all, annoying. It, it's like not just a one-off. It happens all a lot. the time. Yeah. It's always like the blank blah 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 show, and then the character. It, the character always has the same first name, but it's never yeah. the same last name because if their life is too different from the real person, then yeah. it becomes a whole confusing thing. But like Aaron was saying earlier, when we were just chatting about it, like, oh well, they they the audience they have to make sure the audience knows that they're in it because pe- they think people are so dumb. Like, <laughs> yeah, which is funny though because like. In this is maybe the only scenario I can even think of where it isn't just the something something show. Yeah. Like normally this this problem would come up because the show would be called the Gene Wilder show. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Why even bother calling it something wilder? <laughs> yeah. And I've 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 given my grumpy rant about this before, but like I don't love when shows are the the so-and-so show at all. That was my one beef with the John Larroquette show, as it yeah. turned out a show that I enjoyed vastly more than I thought I would, except the title, The John Larroquette Show. Was his character name John? No, no. no. Well, then what's the point? But he he also, just like this, like just uh, he had a pretentious last name too. Now it was like John like Hemingway or something like that. Hemingway, yes. That's what it it was, was. right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, they did maybe keep the same first name but then his last name was oh, Hemingway. Oh, no, my question was, was his name John? It might have been. It was, it was a character oh, yeah. named it, John. It, I couldn't it remember. It was definitely, his yeah, name was okay. definitely John. John and Hemingway. I just, yeah. You know what? It's annoying. To me, you know, I was saying to Brim before we recorded, when you have a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David plays Larry David, like plays himself, former co-creator of Seinfeld, and he's playing a caricatured version of himself, I get why you would uh, name the character the same as the actor. Sure. But these shows where it's clearly a vehicle for a particular star, but the character is not at all like that person in real life, 
just give them a fictional name. Don't give them the same first name. Don't put the actor's name in the title of the show. We know who it is. He's recognizable. We see him. We all know why we tuned in to watch this. I guess it probably all goes back to like shit like the Bob Newhart show and stuff like that. Like, it's yeah. just weird. It's just weird. It's, it's old weird. fashioned and it's old fashioned. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, you're clearly just used to calling it like, you know, oh, we're, we're going to do that. Uh, you know, we're going to do that Gene Wilder show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then like, you know. At least th- I'll give them this one. At least I guess they threw a title on it this time, but uh, <laughs> they went the wrong direction. Yeah. But you're right. That's that's why it bothers me. It feels old fashioned. Whenever yes. a show yeah. is named the so-and-so show, that just immediately feels like it's the 70s or something. Well, I mean, it makes sense because the, the creators of the show were like the same age as Gene Wilder and they're, you know, yeah. pretty yeah. much on their way to retirement themselves. So and I think this is like something we've seen over and over again, like a lot of these shows, not all, but like there are a fair amount of these shows that we've covered where they're like the last show that someone creates who's like a longstanding sitcom writer, a TV writer. And you can always tell, like you can always tell there's like a little bit of it where it's like, oh, that feels a little hammy, a little old school. And at least in this one, they tried to liven it up and put things like have Alice Cooper in it and stuff like that. But I I bet the tonal the tonal whiplash in something like this is coming from them being like, ah, you know, I just really want to make a show like they used to have, you know, <laughs> just yeah. like one of the, like the good old days. And they're like, all right, well, let's staff up the writer's room. And then they get some kids in there who are like, <laughs> what do you think about this Hitler joke? Yeah, and then, yeah exactly. And then, and, then, and, and then like the other people in the room are like, what? That's a fun point, Barry. Yeah. The, pro- the, the edgier yeah. jokes were probably their younger writers, staff writers. Yeah. <sighs> well, we made it. We, we did it. What a wild ride, guys. How would this show say to roll credits? How would Gene Wilder announce that? He, he would scream it. Yeah, it would be some chaotic thing. There are many instances where they got him to scream in this. And cut the credits! That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That Was a Show? Radio Gizmo. <laughs> that was actually, that was That was funny. That was... That was that is as close to a Gene Wilder impression as I thought anybody yeah, it was had. Yeah, pretty good, Aaron. <laughs> and you don't really impersonate people ever. No, that's not a thing no, you do. It is not. <laughs> <laughs>